Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to our feet. Our first reading from Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And turning to our New Testament reading, Philippians chapter 3. No confidence in the flesh. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so on, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lord, may your word live in us. For others. Last week I preached on life metaphors, one of the most famous of which is from Forrest Gump, where he says, life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. In fact, his mother said that, and that's how Forrest made sense of a lot of things in his life. And we looked at some of the metaphors that we have and that we use to help us make sense of the situations in our lives. But then we looked at scripture and tried to understand what God's metaphor for life would be. We looked at the fact that, we looked at the fact that life is a temporary, uh, life is an opportunity, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. And if we see our lives in those ways, if we see uh, if we use those metaphors or those similes to understand the situations we face in life, it would make a significant change in how we live and uh, the way God would guide us to greater faithfulness. I want to continue on that theme this morning and look at how in our desire to be faithful to God, we need to be able to move beyond the past and look to the future. A little bit, if you like, of the monkey letting go of the, of the rock or the stone inside the trap. But as we look to what Paul writes to the Philippians, we'll see how he and how the writings in Isaiah guide us in that faithfulness. Last week I told the story of meeting somebody and how I always kind of hold back on letting people know that I'm in the ministry because once they find that out, they change the way that they act. They change how they respond to you when they realize that you're a reverend. Well, it reminded me of another story that happened a couple of years ago back in South Africa when my younger brother and I, we owned a, a fishing boat, a deep sea fishing boat together. And uh, the deep sea fishing community in South Africa is not known for its prim and proper behavior. Can I put it like that? You understand what, I'm, what I say when I, when I, what I mean when I say that? There are some pretty rough guys out there who I'm absolutely convinced wouldn't even be able to spell the word church, never mind know where one is or what to do inside one. Well, one day, knowing that this is the usual clientele of, of what the boat shops deal with, I took our boat in for a service, and all the mechanic could say was the F word just over and over again. Would I like the F engines fixed? Would I like the F oil change? Would I, uh, just every single, every second word was the F word. And uh, look, it, you know, obviously it wasn't great, but I thought to myself, well, at least he's not pretending. At least he's, uh, he's being real. When I fetched the boat the next day, I happened to have come straight from a funeral after which I had my collar on. And, uh, man, I wish you could have seen his face. I, I wish you could have seen him going over the conversation. And just, the, he was mortified. It was almost like a, the, you could see the beads of perspiration coming down. 
And, and then he just, for the next 20 minutes, I'm so sorry, Reverend. I didn't know, Reverend. You must, you must pray for me, Reverend. I, I'm not usually like that, Reverend. Do you want a discount, Reverend? Yeah. On and on he went. It's even better when it's, not, when, it's a, when it's an actual church member. I was once walking outside the local Woolworths in South Africa when I saw one of my congregation members standing nearby having a chat, and she was busy smoking. And uh, now it doesn't worry me that she smokes. I always say smoking doesn't mean that you're going to go to hell. It just means you're going to smell like you've been there. But, <clears throat> but I... I walked up to her, let's, let's call her Jane, and I, I walked up to her and I said, hello Jane, and quick as a flash, she whipped the cigarette out and put it behind her back like that, and was holding it there and began to hold this conversation, which was hilarious because she had just inhaled, so she was, <coughs> trying not to let me see the smoke coming out, and I was, I was battling to hold back my laughter, and eventually, after about a minute of this, this going on, I, I said to Jane, I think, I think your bum's on fire, there's, um, there's, there's smoke coming out from behind of you, and uh, you know, she sheepishly grinned and mumbled this, uh, this apology for, towards me, but I, I mean, I really actually prefer people to be real with me, which is why I wait to tell them that I that I'm in the ministry, but those, those are just two kind of fun moments that, that illustrate for us that it is a real challenge. Living faithfully um, is a challenge. We, we come to church and we worship God and we leave this place with the intention of living out the faithful uh, living out faithfully the message that we've just heard, like the metaphors that we have. We come and we hear them and we, we're going to live those out faithfully and we take it from the church and we, we enter out into the world Sunday to Monday and that can be a real challenge. We want to be faithful to God. We want to be in an ever-strengthening relationship with Him. That's why we are here today. That's the, the desire and the intention. But so often that can get pushed aside when when uh, we enter into the world and we're faced with the reality of the, the busyness and the complexity of the world with the pressures of day-to-day -day living and the reality of, of relationships that are, are, are good, bad, and ugly, when we're faced with our own weaknesses and habits, with the things we don't want to let go of, and we can easily then slip into our own way of doing things instead of uh, following what God asks. We can easily find ourselves next week being in the exact same position, saying, I have the desire, but I'm just struggling to get it working, struggling to, to be faithful in the world. And that's, that happens because regardless of what happens on a Sunday, our circumstances, our physical circumstances don't necessarily change very much when we walk out of the door. We live in the same place, we have the same jobs, we have the same struggles in the relationships, we have the same things in our past, the, the same thing, the little stone that we've always kind of held onto and struggled to deal with. And we realize that the regrets and the hurts and the difficulties we faced don't just get wiped away by a desire to be, to be faithful. It's sometimes uh, quite a subtle process that happens. It doesn't, it's not something that necessarily happens on a conscious level. But, but when we ask ourselves the question, you know, do I have this desire? Yes. Am I always faithful? Well, and, and not truthfully. Well, 
this is where it, it gets a little bit mixed up. And I found a writer who, who uh, put it in a, in a beautiful way. He said, when it comes to living a faithful life, we find ourselves all too often, like Jesus, crucified between two thieves, regret of the past and an indifference to the future. And they steal away the beauty of the life God plans for us. Crucified between two thieves, regret of the past and indifference to the future. And they steal away the beauty of the life God plans for us. I read a story once of a man who went down to a river with a fishing rod and got down there and found he was not alone. There was a young teenage boy who was already set up and catching fish. The boy seemed to be quite a good angler. He was uh, pulling them out quite, quite easily, fish after fish. And the man noticed that this boy had a little bit of a, a strange routine. He'd catch the fish, take it off the hook, hold it up to his hand. Those that were the size of his hand or smaller, he would keep. Those that were bigger than his hand, he would throw back. And this irritated the old man, and he went over to him and said, Son, you, you obviously don't know anything about fishing. You're supposed to keep the big ones, not the other way around. And the boy replied, Yes, sir, that's true. But at home, I only have a frying pan this big. <laughs> his own hand determined the size of his catch. And so sometimes our, almost our, our expectations or the, the determine the extent to which God can work within us. When we walk out of here, if, if we expect God to, to do wonderful things, that has determination on how we live our lives. If we walk out of here saying, I'm going to be facing the same problems I've always faced, and I, I don't know if God can really do anything for me, well, the question is then, how big is our hand? Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says to the church in Philippi, I love his honesty in this passage. And if you remember from the, from the series that we did on Paul, this particular writing comes way later in his life. It's towards the end. And uh, I, I love the honesty where he says, I haven't achieved all I've wanted to do. I have made mistakes. I haven't met all my goals. I haven't met all my expectations. I failed many times in this point, up to this point in my life. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Despite the past, the expectation is that I can move forward and I will grow in faithfulness. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message translates it like this. I'm not saying that I have it all together. By no means do I count myself an expert, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus, and I'm not turning back. How do we make sure that we see the future as God sees it, that we have the expectation that God leads us to lives of greater faithfulness? Well, as Paul says, firstly, we have to forget what is past. Leave that behind. Let go of that stone. It seems strange to actually say that because in your head you know, but I can't forget the past. You, there are just some things that we remember, some things that have dominated our thoughts, some hurts and pains that we have gone through that, that there's no way we'd ever be able to forget them. But Paul writes an interesting way here. 
I don't think it's realistic that we could forget them completely. But there are two different words that were used in the Greek text for forget. And the first is to forget over a long and difficult period of time. And the second is to become forgetful or to choose to be forgetful. In other words, to be able to forget without much effort. So let me explain how I think this works uh, in terms of my life. Years ago, and I don't, I don't know if anybody here has done it before, but I was part of a foot washing ceremony at a camp that I went to. I don't know if anybody's done this. It's a very significant thing for some people. It's reenacting the moment where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It is incredibly meaningful to the people who are involved. Except I wasn't one of those people. Not that I wasn't involved. It just, it wasn't my thing. I, uh, I don't like people touching my feet. In fact, I'm averse to any of that type of thing. I don't go for massages or any of that stuff. Just leave me alone, really. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm all good. I've managed to wash my feet for 40-something years just fine, and I don't need any help. Part of the reason why that is the case is I have size 13s. They do not fit in the bucket. <laughs> and that's very embarrassing. <clears throat> So I get to this foot washing ceremony. I am dreading it. With the, the perspiration is running down my forehead. I am so not enjoying this moment. I take off my shoes, and to this day, I'll tell you exactly where they were. I put them right next to my chair, right by the bucket, so that I could get them on as quickly as I possibly could once the ordeal was over for me. I don't think I'll ever forget where those shoes were. However, when I go home, I'm in a place of comfort. And I will sit down on my chair. I will kick my shoes off. Sometimes I will kick them off when I'm in the kitchen. Sometimes I will kick them off when I'm in the lounge. Sometimes I'll kick them off in the bedroom. I'll kick them off wherever I am. And I'll forget where I've kicked them off. So much so, I usually find where I've kicked them off when Debbie falls over them. <laughs> because, as I may have mentioned, they are size 13. And uh, they take up significant space. But that, for me, not remembering where those shoes are, I can remember where they were in a difficult moment. I'll forget them in a moment of comfort. That is the kind of forgetfulness I think Paul means, where we... We're able to actually forget without much effort because we become comfortable with the situation. Paul is in essence saying to us, you need to start to choose to forget. To put it all together, he's saying, deal with the past in such a way that it becomes something that you can comfortably leave behind. Paul would say to me, young man, you need to deal with that foot washing ceremony. You need to commit it to God and, and, uh, and sort that out so that you can actually leave it behind. More seriously, he's saying, don't let the past destroy the future. Don't let the difficulties that you've gone through uh, hold you captive. Don't have your hand stuck in that box like the monkey. Don't hang on to those things. But learn to forget. Learn to become forgetful of those things. Choose not to remember them. 
And as we deal with them, as I say to the children, as we commit them to God, as we say, Lord, this is something which is beyond me. This is something I have to give to you. This is a memory that holds so much pain that the only way I could ever become forgetful of it is if you take it. That's what it means to leave the past behind. That, that's what it means to become forgetful. That's what it means to be able to be in a place where, yes, we know we will always remember it, but the memory no longer holds the pain. Does that make sense? The memory doesn't actually hold the pain that it used to hold because we've committed it to God and we've let it go. So Paul says, let go of the past. He then says, look towards what is ahead. God is wanting to change and to shape and to mold us. Isaiah says, see, I'm doing a new thing. It is happening already. Look towards what is ahead in God's plan. I mean, it's such an interesting thing about, an uh, interesting story of the way I think this works. The, the um, founder of the computer company, IBM, was a man by the name of Tom Watson. And Tom Watson guided this huge company for over 40 years in the volatile software industry and uh, hardware industry. You can, you can imagine and appreciate that that's some pretty impressive uh, leadership credentials. The, um, I think probably his most impressive moment occurred when a junior executive in IBM, a junior executive, made a mistake that cost the company, and this was way back in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s, it cost the company $10 million. One guy made one mistake, 10 million bucks. And Watson immediately called a board meeting with all of the executive present, including the junior executive, and everybody on that board fully expected to hear the words, you're fired, you idiot, get out, what have you done? Watson sat down in the meeting and just started with looking at the future. How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to sort this out? How are we going to uh, get through what has happened? Everybody was waiting for the inevitable anger and firing of that junior executive, but he just proceeded to sort out the problem. And by the end of the meeting, Watson got up and he was about to walk out, and one of the other board members or executive members who couldn't stand the tension any longer said to him, uh, Tom, aren't you going to fire him? And Tom Watson looked at him and said, fire him? Are you serious? I just spent $10 million educating him. When we strain towards what is ahead instead of what is behind, we focus on what God is shaping us to be. We begin to realize that God uses things in our past to shape and to mold us, even difficult things. And I'm, I'm very clear in saying that I don't believe God causes those terrible moments. There are people who will say, God did this in order to teach us this. I don't believe that's what happens. I believe that we live a life where bad and good things happen to everybody. But the beauty about walking life with God is that He takes those things and says, if you let me, I will shape this into something beautiful. I will enable you to grow from this uh, difficult moment if we look to the future, if we strain towards what is ahead. And lastly, Paul says, 
And then I press on towards the goal that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The goal that Paul places for himself is the same that is placed for you and for me, and that's the standard of Jesus Christ. We need to challenge ourselves. Am I becoming like Christ more and more each day? Am I living the life that God has planned for me? Am I doing the things that God has wanted me to do? If I didn't make it yesterday, let me forget what is past. Let me move on towards what is ahead. Let me press on towards that goal. We are, as I said, often, even on a subconscious level, crucified between the thief of regret of the past and the thief of indifference to the future. But the good news is that God really wants to provide for us a hope and a beautiful journey, a glorious new path ahead, a path where we're able to actually forget with that sense of having dealt with it the past and, and lean towards what God is doing in our lives ahead. And if we listen carefully, we will know the beauty of the promise that Isaiah records that it is true for then and it is true for me and you now, where he says, Watch for the new thing I am going to do. It is happening already. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing new things in our lives, that you call us and guide us to lives of greater faithfulness, that you lead us to a place where you desire nothing more for us to become more Christ-like. We thank you especially that you are a God who takes the things that, that take place in our lives and you are able to use them to grow and to shape and to mold and to, and to direct us. Today, Lord, we pray that you would help us forget what is past, strain towards what is ahead, and focus on the goal of Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord, to have the, the image of that little monkey and being able to say, I, I can let it go and look to a glorious new future. That is our deepest desire, the goal of, of why we live and the reason why we're here. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.